welcome to the City View Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. You know, I remember years ago, my wife and I waiting in line to see a movie premiere. And I remember we were, we were standing there for hours, waiting for an unknown movie of what we had an opportunity to see. We didn't know much else. We just knew it was a new hot movie that was going to come out in the summer. Um, and we got a call to be one of the few to see it. And so as we stood there waiting in line and the, the line continued to move forward and, and we continued to move closer and closer to the doors, there was this guy who started walking up to the line. And he came to us and, and he asked us our age and he said, so are you guys married? And we're like, yeah, we're married. Are you guys over the age of 25? Yeah, we're over the age of 25. Do you have kids? Yeah, we have kids. Hey, thank you so much for coming tonight, he said. Our movie is actually full, so you can go ahead and go. And then he proceeded to go down the line asking people the same questions, and depending on how you asked, it, it, it led you to believe, or it, depending on how you depending on how you answered, he then allowed certain people to go in, and I realized that I didn't meet his criteria. All that waiting, all that time, all that anticipation for nothing. Sort of a bummer. You know, we were looking so forward to seeing something that ended up being nothing. Have you ever done that? Have you ever waited so long for something, waited in line or whatever, has waited so long, all of a sudden for it to be nothing? Waited, maybe you waited online to buy tickets. If you're waiting online, you're waiting for that moment when the tickets for, for maybe a game or a movie or waiting, maybe it's, it's, a, it's a concert and you're waiting online to buy those tickets and you keep pressing refresh, refresh, and then it says sold out. Or maybe you're waiting in line for that, that Black Friday deal. You want that new TV or you want whatever it might be. And you wait in line, you finally get inside, and there's no more left. Maybe you've been waiting for these past 14 days to be over. And then Monday hit, and we found out that we got another 32. And you're working through those emotions of isolation, frustration, and disappointment. You're frustrated with either those who didn't obey or you're frustrated with those who maybe think that it's way too strict. Maybe you're disappointed because you've missed out on so much. You're missing out on school. You're missing out on your senior year. You're missing out on that, that last year of playing sports at your high school. You're, you're missing out on finishing graduation with college. You're, you're missing out on that, that freshman college experience and you just are so disappointed. You're trying to figure out how, how do I work through this? Or maybe you feel isolated. And you're at home when, when they said stay home and all those things that are stay home, stay safe, stay alive, or whatever the, all the three things are. And you're thinking, I've been staying home and I'm alone. You had your heart so set on those days, that waiting period of that 14 days. And, and now it's been told you have more. You see, when our focus is on anything other than God, it will always lead to disappointment. When our focus is on anything else, we will always be disappointed. Fixing our eyes on Jesus and keeping all things in perspective is so key as we get through this time. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love and your care for us. Lord, I thank you that you have a plan and that your plan is good. Lord, I thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us. Lord, I thank you so much, God, that you love us and that you care for us. And Lord, I ask God that wherever we are in this emotionally, some of us are, are, are maybe we're good. Some of us are scared. We're frustrated. Wherever we are at in this, Lord, I ask God that you would just minister to our hearts. Help us to love like you do. Help us to live like you did. And Lord, help us to be like you. Jesus, we ask that you would bless churches all over the valley today and this week and this time. Lord, I pray your blessings upon Calvary and CCV and Lord, I ask your blessings upon Desert Springs and um, uh, Desert City Church. And Lord, I ask God that you would bless Heritage and Cross Church and, and Valley Life and Redemption. Lord, I ask that you would just bless these churches that are reaching the valley. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would bring revival in our city. In Jesus name. Amen. You know, as I was putting together this week's message and looking at John chapter 5, that's where we will be today. We're going to look at a story that I'm sure many of us have, maybe not many of us, maybe some of us we've seen before, but something that's really been speaking to me and something that really spoke to my wife and she was sharing with me um, what God spoke to her. And I just thought, man, I got to preach that. Hey, if you're joining us for the first time today, I'm going to pause real quick. Good morning. My name is Jeremiah. I'm the pastor here at City View Church. I want to welcome you. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, our, our, one of the big things on our heart, we want to be the perfect place for imperfect people. We're all a hot mess. We're all still trying to figure out life. None of us have it all together, but we know Jesus does. And so thank you for joining us um, today or whenever you're watching this. Thank you for joining us. So if you would turn with me to John chapter five, verse one, it says after these things, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went to Jerusalem. Now there was in Jerusalem by the pools, or there was in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool which is called in Hebrew Bethsaida, having five porticles. porticles. In these lay a multitude of things, of those who were sick, blind, lame, withered, waiting, waiting for the moving of water. For an angel of the Lord went down a certain, at certain seasons into the pools and stirred the water. Whoever then first, after the stirring up of the water, stopped, stepped in and made well, where they were made well from whatever disease with which he was afflicted. So here's the, the scenario. We find ourselves joining Jesus and, and John who writes this book and, and the disciples in this place called the Pools of Bethesda. And I, I've been there. I've had the opportunity to, to actually be there and actually preach this passage there. And, and it, it's a place where you can still go. You can still see water. It's not as full anymore. It's not like a swimming pool anymore. But at the time, there were these living streams that would feed these pools, that would feed these, these areas, these five different pools. And people would go there and they would go to these pools that, that seemed somewhat normal, yet were to them supernatural. And this wasn't, but this wasn't a place where people just went to chill. It wasn't like going to your pool or going to the beach and laying there and hanging out. The, these rooms were full of people. It was surrounded by the sick, the helpless, the hurting, and the broken. 
and then their eyes fixed on the water this water because they believe that that at a certain time of year and, and scholars are not totally sure what time of year it was but they believe that the water would be stirred that an angel would do something to the water and whoever first stepped into the water would be healed and so they had their eyes fixed on this water waiting for any movement waiting for any kind of action of the water any kind of hope that the water might give life and they believed that this angel would go and stir the water and I don't know how this worked I don't know what the angel would do but they believed that whoever would first get in would be healed and so they looked to this pool with expectation they looked to the pool for hope they look to the pool for healing. And I wonder how many of us have looked to things in today's day and we've looked to something else for hope. We look to a countdown for hope. We, we look to something else that we thought, okay, if this just happens, if everybody does this, there might be hope. You see, this crowd had this false expectation of hope. They were waiting for something to happen. They were so focused on the potential of life in the water that they missed that life walked in the room. You see, Jesus walks in the room and they were so focused on the, the potential of life in the water that they missed life had walked into the room itself. And so then it says in verse five, a man was there who had been ill for 38 years when Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had already been a long time in that condition. And he said to him, do you wish to get well? In that crowd, Jesus walks into the room and there's people everywhere. And he looks at one man. One man. Why didn't he heal the whole room? Because he could have. Jesus could have walked in and been like, bam, it's done. You're all healed. Go home. Could have. But he doesn't. I think in everything Jesus does, he's always looking to show the personal touch and personal love of God. And that's what Jesus, he's, he's coming to be that example of his father. He's coming to be that, that, that personal touch of God. And so we see this, that Jesus goes and he finds this man who had been ill for 38 years. Can you imagine 38 years? And I know that there are some of you today that you have been battling with illness. You have been battling with sickness. You have been battling with things. And it seems like it's been 38 years. I can think of a few of you right now that come to my mind and come to my heart and I know that you can understand this man. You're just asking God, God, will you give me a break? God, will you give me a break? So for 38 years, he was ill. For 38 years, he felt alone. For 38 years, he felt hopeless and helpless. Who knows how many years he had gone to that pool. 
I don't know how many years and how many days in a row he would go to that pool. I don't know if he would ask his friends to carry him there early just so that he might be a little closer than before. I don't know if, if he spent extra time there, even though the pool would be stirred only one day a year. It was believed and some believe it was actually on Passover when that pool was, was stirred. We don't know. We know it was on some kind of festival. And John speaks when it comes to festivals. John speaks the most about the festival he talks about the most is Passover. So we don't know if that's the time of the of which festival he's saying, but it was some festival. And it's believed that this spirit, this that whatever supernatural thing that happened, and we don't know whether this is true or not. We, we don't know. We can only go according to what we can read here. But this man had been sitting there. We don't know how long. And he's sitting there knowing that he has no hope. He knows I can't get in this pool because I can't move unless somebody does it for me. See, this man, too, he had his eyes fixed on the life in the water, and he missed that life walked in the room. He had his eyes fixed on the life of the water, and he missed that life walked in the room. Jesus walked in this room, and nobody recognized him, and nobody realized that it was Jesus. Many of them probably knew who he was. They knew the name of Jesus. Many of them, they probably had even seen him before. They could have picked him out in a a crowd. They would have been like, hey, that's Jesus right there. That's the guy that heals people. That's the guy who cast out demons. That's the guy who who healed my my neighbor's daughter. That's the guy who who brought, who... um, gave uh, the wine to our, our party. That, that's the guy who did this. That, you know, they could probably name off all these things that Jesus did, yet he walks in the room and they all missed it. This crowd was focused on their way that they missed the way came in. Did you get that? They were so focused on their way of life, on their way of doing things, on how they thought things should be done, that they missed the way of life and walked into their room. And I wonder how many of us are so focused on what we think is the right thing that we forget that Jesus has called us to something better, to something different. You see, we're living in a time now where there's so much input that Jesus many times gets the back seat. In this crowd, Jesus didn't even get noticed. Can you imagine that? They didn't even notice he walked into their room. The healer, savior, the king, the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace, the one who could solve all of their problems. They didn't even realize he walked in the room. And then Jesus asks a question. And he says, do you wish to be well? Why this question? Have you ever met somebody who doesn't want help? They don't want to get better. They just want to to be seen, heard, and validated. That's what they want. They they don't really want a a solution. They don't really want to get better. They just want people to to see them, to hear them, to to validate them. And some of them, we just want to complain. You know those people? You watch their social media feeds. Maybe you watch their stories on Instagram or whatever it is. And you watch them. It's like, oh my gosh, could you be any more whatever? 
And then you say, hey, can I help you? Is there anything you need or whatever? But in all reality, they just want to be seen. They want to be heard. They want to be validated, but they really don't want any help. Maybe, have you ever thought that's how you are sometimes? If Jesus were to walk into your room right now, if you were to walk in and say, hey, do you want to get well? If Jesus were to walk into your room right now and ask you a question, what would he ask you? Would he say, do you want to be safe? Would he say, do you want to be well? Would he say, do you want to be provided for? Do you want to be free? Do you want clarity? And if Jesus asked you, what would you say back? Do you want the help? Are you willing to listen? And are you ready to trust that he knows what he's doing? These are key for all of us. And it's key for this man right now in this moment. If he didn't want help, if he wasn't willing to listen, if he wasn't ready to trust, then Jesus couldn't help. There's nothing. Jesus' hands would be tied. If the man was like, no, I don't want help. I don't trust you. I don't believe that you can do this. And no, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't want to listen to you. You're weird. If that would have been the man's response, then Jesus couldn't have done anything. But here, here's the man's response. It says in verse 7, the sick man answered him, sir... I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your pallet and walk. And immediately, verse nine, immediately the man became well and picked up his pallet and began to walk. Now it was on the Sabbath day. You see, the man still misses the point of who's in front of him. He still doesn't realize it's Jesus. Now, I don't know that Jesus didn't walk in and say, hey, I'm Jesus. That would have been easy. I, don't know, but I wonder if he didn't do that. I wonder if this is more of a very side, one-on-one, -on -one, quieter conversation. I don't know, but he still doesn't realize it. And maybe everybody just didn't, they were blinded to it. But his response is focused on why things can't and won't change. They can't change because no one will help him. And they won't change because even if he could get to the water, he will always be late. Have you ever done that? Sort of thought of all the reasons why you can't and won't? All the, the negatives, all, all the bad, all, all the things that, why it won't. Have you ever been that, that cynical? There's never a good reason. There's never a good thing. It's going to be the worst thing. <clears throat> Have you ever been this man? I love that Jesus doesn't let him keep rambling. Jesus stops him. See, this man had been waiting so long for the moving of the water that he forgot about the God who made the water. I ask you, are you waiting for something to happen or are you looking for Jesus with expectation? Are you waiting for something to happen or are you looking to Jesus with expectation? See, I think if we were just to adjust our thoughts and realize that Jesus wants to do something in us, 
through us and for us, there's so much good expectation we can have. Jesus hears him and then challenges him. There must have been something in this man that said, okay, I'm going to listen to him and I'm going to trust him. It says he gets up, he picks up his pallet and he walks. He had to make a choice. Do I listen and trust this guy or do I sit in my hopelessness? What am I going to do? He had to, he had to make a choice. He had to make a decision like each one of us, whether we're sitting on a couch, sitting at the table, listening in our car, whatever we're doing right now, we have to make a choice. Am I going to trust Jesus or not? Am, am I going to pick up my palate? Am I going to take steps forward? Am I going to make actions of living a different life or not? What am I going to do? And Jesus gives him that option. You see, you have to come to that reality right now. Jesus hasn't changed. He is still able to heal. He hasn't changed. His ability to remove fear still exists. He still can provide and he still can protect. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't changed. God is still walking into rooms, changing lives today. He hasn't changed. We have a choice. We have to make a decision. Do we believe that he can make us well? The man made his choice. He did something he hadn't done for at least 38 years. He not only got up, but he picked up and then he walked all in a moment. Do you see that? It said there in verse 9, immediately muscles grew, legs were strengthened. He learned how to walk in a moment. He picked up his pallet, his bed, his bedroll, and walked. And then it says, <clears throat> it's crazy what happens next. It says in verse 10, 10, 11, and 12, it says, So the Jews were saying to the man who was cured, it's the Sabbath. It's our holy day. We don't do work on today. We do nothing. They, they believe that on the Sabbath, that not only do you, you shouldn't do anything, you shouldn't pick up anything. It, it, there was a story that I read about it, there was a fire in Israel on the Sabbath day. I can't remember how, what year it was, um, um, but there was a fire, and they asked if it would be okay if they filled up buckets to actually put out the fire and the priests by the time the priests got back to them they said no that would be work so the building burned down and so they had this they had put so much into following a law so much into following a rule so much into, into this that they didn't care about life they didn't care about people they didn't care what was happening outside they only cared about what they cared about and so it says and then, so they went to him and said it's the Sabbath and it's it's not permissible for you to carry your pallet but he answered them, he, he, he who made me well, because they probably knew this guy. He'd been there for 38 years. He who made me well was the one who said to me, pick up your pallet and walk. And they didn't ask, who made you well? They didn't ask, wait, who, who changed your life? Wait, who has the ability to heal you? Wait, I remember you standing at our gate. Wait, I remember this guy. Who made you well? That was, they, they didn't care about that. They said, who is the man who said to you, pick up your pallet and walk? They said, who's the one that told you to disobey our rules? That's what they were so worried about. It's amazing that the people can miss the miracle for something right in front of them. 
That is exactly what happened here. Those who should have expected to see God move were more worried about their rules than people. They didn't ask him, how did he get well or who made you well? This is amazing. Wow, man, we can't believe it. But they asked, who told you to carry your bed? They missed the amazing because of their hearts were so seared. But Jesus, Jesus wasn't finished with this man. He wanted to find him and he wanted to not just give him a healing of his body, but healing of his soul. So it says in verse 13, but the man who was healed did not know who it was. For Jesus had slipped away while the crowd was in place. So this man still has no idea that it was Jesus in his room. He still has no idea that it was Jesus who healed him. It says, but, you know, verse 14, afterward, Jesus found him. I love that. Jesus found him. Jesus pursued him. Jesus went after him. It says, afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, behold, you have become well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. Jesus is caring for his soul that, that he would not spend eternity in hell. That was, that was where Jesus' heart was. Yeah, he cared about the outward that he wanted him to be well, but that, that was, that's so temporary. This outward shell is so temporary. It doesn't last forever. And the man went away and he, he wasn't so thankful. He was like, oh, thank you so much. He went away and he told the Jews, he says, hey, it was Jesus. And man, that ticked him off. So these Jews, it says, for this reason, the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing things on the Sabbath. And Jesus turns and says, my father, he's now he's claiming to be the son of God. He's this is irritating them anymore. He says, my father is working until now. And I myself am working, too. He says, God's still working. God doesn't take a day off. And neither do I. Jesus was, was worried about the man's soul, not just his physical state. You know, as I see so many posts, I see how much we care for those around us. You know, there's that slogan, stay home, stay safe, save lives. And that's great. I love our heart for our community and our heart for our loved ones. I, I really do. I love that. And I think we do, we need to do as much as we can to love those around us, to make sure all those are safe. We, we do need to do that. But that shouldn't have started with this. And all of this, that slogan, it's only geared around a virus. A virus. You know, is the virus bad? It, it is for many. And, it, and it's not, and it's, I mean, it's, it's both. It's, it's, it, for some, they get really sick. For others, they don't. And I'm not even going to get into that. But that's for a virus. But why do we care more about this virus than we care about the virus of sin in people's lives? Tell me that. Ask yourself that question. Are you more passionate about this right here? This stay home, stay safe, save lives. You don't save lives. You save lives for a moment, but we're not for eternity. What if we were to be as passionate about this as we are about people's souls? What if? You know, I don't see many of us this passionate about it, about our coworkers, our family, our friends, when it comes to them knowing Jesus. I don't see that same passion. 
What if when you went to work, the next time you're able to, you were that passionate, just as you were passionate about staying home. What if you were that passionate about your friends and family who were going to hell if they don't know Jesus? What if? Why does it matter if a person, Jesus says this, why does it matter if a person gains the whole world, yet loses their soul? See, I think that's what Jesus would say to us right now. You guys, yeah, I get it. We want to care and be loving for others. It's, it says that in 1 Peter. Do we got to have a fervent love with all of our heart for others? I, I agree with that. And I agree with us doing as much as we can to love those. And I do. I fully agree. But if we don't take that to the extreme of loving their soul, then why are we doing it at all? You see, Jesus pursued this guy. Jesus found this guy. Jesus shared salvation with this guy. And he told him, the condition of your soul needs to be healed. All those fakers around them, those priests, those religious people, the people that love to follow rules, they, they were so worried about Jesus disobeying that they missed that Jesus was pursuing a life change. Jesus was saying, I will never stop pursuing people. I will never stop loving people. I never stop healing souls. When all this is over, when all of us are set free, when we can go back to whatever our normal new will be, and we look back, I ask you, what will have changed in you? Will we see sin for what it is? And will we be as passionate about that as we are about COVID-19? Ask yourself that. Are you more worried about people catching this virus than you are about people's souls going to hell? Because that's real love. If you want to talk about what real love is, real love is caring for somebody's soul. That's love. Will we share the cure with those that need it? Because we don't have this cure for this virus, but you already have a cure for sin. We do. We've got Jesus. Will we be as passionate about Jesus saving lives as we are about sharing all the things that we are now? Ask yourself that. You choose that today, not next week. The same Jesus that walk into, walked into his life is the same Jesus that walked into my life. And it's the same Jesus that can walk into your life today. Because he loves you so much. When Jesus walks into a room, everything changes. Let's pray. Lord, I ask God that you would check our hearts. 
Got to check where our priorities are. And if our priorities have gotten mixed up, if we have forgotten about the souls of people, we're more worried about the physical health of people. Lord, check our hearts. Lord, if we've gotten so focused on what we think is secure and we've forgotten that you are the one walking in the rooms. Lord, if we are like that crowd who was so focused on the water, the water that they thought brought life, that they missed that life walked into the room. Lord, I pray that you'd realign our focus and help us to realize Lord, that you love us, that you care for us, that you desire what's best for us. If today, if, if you are sitting here listening and you've never made a decision for Jesus, you've never given your life over to him, you've realized you've been so focused, maybe you're like that man, that your soul is contaminated with a sickness you didn't know it had. You, you knew it, but you never had it defined in that way. And if you are sitting there going, I need my soul cured. I need my soul healed. If that's you, pray with me. Say, dear God, forgive me. Heal my soul. Set me free. Thank you for loving me in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. For up-to-date series information, find us on social media at CityViewPHX or go to cityviewphx.com. 